Welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Joining me over Skype, a hungry uh, Josh Newberg and a, well, a a quiet, somber Chris Nee so far. So this should be an interesting podcast. I think my job today, as we got a lot of uh, recruiting stuff to get into, is going to be the hype man. I'm just going to try to cheer on our two guys. They are burnt out from covering a ton of recruiting. We had Florida State's camp. Uh, and then you know Florida State had a seven on seven big man camp that Chris covered, and then Josh was down at IMG Academy covering a seven on seven tournament there. So a ton of stuff, but let's not hear about how I think you guys are doing. How how are you two doing? Let's hear it from yourselves. I'm not burnt out at all, Brendan. I'm fired up. I requested to do this pod uh, five straight days on the football field. I haven't had much time to like really sit down and and regroup. You know, we had uh, Wednesday through Friday at Florida State. Chris covered the big man in seven on seven in Tallahassee on Saturday. And I went down to IMG and covered uh, two days of national championships down in Bradenton. Um, this is, this is peak summer recruiting season. So there's no, no time to be tired, but I am hungry, Brendan. So let's get this thing over with. <laughs> Real quick, Chris, how are you doing? Fantastic. All right. All right. Great. So there is a ton of stuff to get to. Um, like Josh said, we had a, a bunch of bunch of events with FSU-related recruiting stuff going on. This is peak recruiting season. Um, and let's start off with the headliner, and that's Justin Fields. Justin Fields was on Florida State's campus uh, for a day for uh, the FSU uh, Jimbo Fisher camp. Uh, he threw, which I was kind of surprised. I didn't think he was going to throw, but he threw, got to interact with Fisher. Uh, so guys, let's start off there. I guess one uh, general impressions on Justin Fields, how he looked. I mean, passed the eye test in my opinion, but I want to get your thoughts on, on how he looked. And then two, um, I guess, what's the latest with Florida State and how big was that experience for, for FSU as they try to get in on this race on him now? I'll start because I know Josh has a lot more to say. He stalked him at FSU. He watched him at IMG all weekend, <laughs> so he's been around him a lot more than me. I watched a portion of his throwing session when he was at FSU. I was ultra impressed. I thought he was very good. And we've spoken in the past about how he's a dual threat kid. So, you know, that setting's not always the best for him. But I thought he zipped it great. I thought he was on time. I thought he was consistent with making strong throws, putting it on the spot. He has the ability to put touch on throws. He's the best, second best quarterback I've seen in that class behind Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I agree. I think he... You know, uh, when he was at camp, Florida State had some some other good quarterbacks on campus throwing side-by-side side to him. Yeah. And Fields was just head and shoulders better than the others. Um, it, just everything. When it came down to size, athleticism, the way that the ball came out of his hand, arm strength, like everything. You know, he's such a natural thrower and a big body. He's everything that Florida State would want in a quarterback. Like Chris said, I think he's in that group of the elite of the elite, up there with guys like Trevor Lawrence and a handful of others. Um, you land any of those guys and you can't go wrong at quarterback in 2018. Yeah, I thought he looked uh, – I, I thought Fields, that's the first time I've seen him throw in person. Like you said, Josh, there were uh, a couple other guys, Jace Reuter, uh, the, the kid from uh, Connecticut. Will Levis. Yeah, Will Levis. Uh, thank God you said the last name. There's a lot of last names I'm going to butcher today as I'm looking at the list of, of what we have here. But uh, I, both of those guys look fine. Like, I really liked Reuter. I thought he looked good. It was really unorthodox the way he threw the football, the kid from Kansas. But uh, he consistently got the ball to the right place. And then Jimbo Fisher really liked the way he uh, he kind of handled himself, the way he read things during seven-on-seven seven and, and one-on-one drills. So, uh, so he looked good, but but Fields was just entirely better than than the two of those, and I think that speaks to where he is in this class, and that's why he's become a priority for Florida State. 
uh, I guess where is Florida State in the recruitment right now? Josh, you change your crystal ball. People people aren't thrilled with it because it's cloudy right now, and I guess I'm mm-hmm. confused as to what cloudy really really means. But yeah, so I'll give, let I you kind of explain it's, that. It's foggy. It's foggy. Foggy, right? not cloudy. Sorry. Foggy. Sorry. Cloudy would be like raining crystal balls. Um, foggy <laughs> is where I moved it after having Rusty Manziel on the big three roll up last week. We had Rusty on with our Georgia site, and I asked him where his crystal ball was, and he said foggy. And I really didn't know what foggy meant or how to do it. And then Rusty enlightened me. And now I love it. It basically means you don't know where the hell he's going. So so, so everyone is, <laughs> for, for 90% of the recruiting season, is, is yeah, foggy. Yeah, if we're all being honest with yeah. each other, everybody should have it on foggy. But no, but the reason I did it was because you got to think back to when I crystal balled fields to UF. I mean, it was a completely different dynamic. He was currently committed to Penn State. Uh, Florida State had just offered Florida State probably offered him like a week or two before I crystal balled him to, to UF. So there was no traction there. We didn't know if he'd be coming in on a summer visit. Hell, we didn't even know, you know, if he'd keep in contact with the FSU staff at that point. So things have changed a lot. You know, I was predicting him to flip from Penn State. So in that regard, it was correct because at this point he's backed off of his commitment and will eventually make another one. So I, it, so I was confident he wasn't going to pick Penn State, but at this point, I'm not confident with my pick on UF, and I just want to end the speculation that I feel he's going to UF because with everything that's transpired over the last five days, I'm just not confident in that pick, so therefore I put it on Foggy. So does that make sense? It, it does. So so does. You're, you're basically cooling off on Florida, and, and, and so I guess that means what are we looking at now then in your mind is Florida State's in the battle with, what, Georgia and Auburn at this point as, as kind of the school well, setting? still in it. Yeah. I, just can't, I just can't say that Confidently. I can him to there. And yeah. I don't want people to be mistaken that that's where I feel he's going. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and he might end up, I might put it back on UF, and it'll suck because I'm going to lose the points for putting it in early, but, you know. It is what it is. He doesn't want to be fake newsberg. Right. <laughs> too 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 late. Uh, the Florida fans have already dubbed him that, and I'm sure this is going to I'm trying help. to remake my image. Uh, okay. Well, baby steps. Cloudy, foggy, yeah. crystal balls raining all over the place. That um, being said, I think Florida State's in a great spot, yeah. especially after seeing him on campus and then seeing him um, at IMG and speaking to people around the, the Cam Newton All-Star 7-on-7 seven seven team. Yeah, I was humored after his FSU camp appearance that suddenly Gator Nation has all these great inside sources about it didn't go well and it didn't gel and FSU coaches told me that was hilarious. I thought that was about the funniest thing. It's uh, Chris, you can't get caught up in the noise, man. Come on. It's classic. I've been doing this for too long. It's classic misdirection, though. It's just like some fat ass sitting at home making up something, putting it on the internet and people believing it's true. I mean, I mean isn't that kind of what I do? Every day. You're not you're fat. Not, you're not a fat ass. So I'm, <laughs> if we're talking fat asses, I would qualify as a fat ass of the website. So. But, uh, I just – I'm humored by it. I, I came away from Fields' visit thinking FSU had done a great job of putting themselves thoroughly in the mix, doing what they needed to do. The feedback I got from people that know Justin that I've dealt with during his recruitment who are familiar with what he's been doing – kind of gave me the heads up that FSU was going to get that first visit, that he was getting the second visit to FSU, and that he was decommitting, stuff like that. They, The feedback I got from them was very positive towards FSU, but nobody I know is saying directly that he's going here or he's going there or he's going anywhere or that he's truly eliminated anybody of the four. 
I think it's abundantly clear by what he did over the last, you know, 10 days or so that those four schools are in it. Those are the ones he's going to look at. Those are the ones he's going to decide from. The key now is whether or not he takes officials or if he wraps this thing up before the season. Can, right. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on he, he threw, uh, and I guess I, we weren't sure going into it whether he was going to. Did, that, did you read anything into that, like whether that's significant and in terms of interest in Florida State or that's something to read into to Justin or is that just kind of subsidiary, you know, not a I, big deal? I think it's twofold. I think it's hugely significant because FSU wants their quarterbacks to throw in front of them. They've always been a fan of having kids coming in camp that they want at that position. Also, it gives Jimbo, Randy, Tino Sensori, guys on the staff that work with the quarterbacks a chance to interact in that setting with the prospect. I think for Justin, it just shows he's a competitive kid. He's not scared of coming in. He's not a guy that walks on campus and thinks, I don't have to do anything else. I'm just here. They need to pamper to me. You know, mm-hmm. he was willing to put on the cleats, get out there, throw, and put on a show. And I think that's important. I think it shows a kid that doesn't have too big of a head in this process where it's very easy for a kid's head to swell. I think it shows that FSU, you know, had the opportunity to work with them, be hands-on, and that matters. When I'm playing the NFL, you want to know how somebody's going to develop you. You want to know how they're going to interact with you, how they're going to speak to you, how they handle the good, the bad, the things you do at the position. You don't get that if you don't actually do it. He did that. He got that experience. I think that's very, very important. And for Jimbo, he wants to see the guys throw in person, so he got that opportunity to see that with Justin. Am I allowed to share my anecdote with with Jimbo and Justin's interaction with the with throwing, or are we saving that? No, you can throw it out there. All right. So, yeah, I was out there for a day and a half. Uh, near, not nearly anywhere as much of a grind as as Josh or Chris, but I was out there and observed uh, fields throwing, and we got to kind of stand close to the field or on the field when the quarterbacks are throwing, and, and Jimbo is usually sitting. Uh, he always kind of hovers around the quarterbacks when they're doing the one on one stuff and and seven on sevens and. Uh, He's kind of hanging by uh, by the quarterbacks, and and Justin Fields asks him. He says, "Hey, do you want me to take the ball under center or a shotgun?" And Jimbo first goes, ah, "I don't care." Then he thinks about it for a second, goes, "Oh, under center. That's how you're going to make your money." So, uh, a very clear indication to me that, that that is a pitch that Florida State is pushing hard on on Fields. You know, the pro style and and the emphasis on what Jimbo has done, putting quarterbacks in the NFL versus maybe. You know, they didn't say anything about Auburn, but yeah, it's pretty pretty clear. You look at some of the other schools that don't run the pro style that Fields is considering, and, and that's something that that Jimbo certainly was was pushing. Um, I just I liked Fields a lot. I thought he was you know mature after after he was done for the day. He actually went out of his way to go find Jace Reuter and and Reuter's parents and gave them a, a you know, handshake and and said you know goodbye to them. So he came off as a really polished guy. Um, any other thoughts on, on field, Josh? And I'm sure how, how did he look at IMG before we uh, kind of transition to some of the other recruiting stuff? Did he look just as good uh, over the weekend? Uh, I thought Cam Newton's team was kind of weak. Okay. Um, it wasn't the best wide receiving core he's ever brought out there. He, he, was, he was great, you know, great ball. Um, he's accurate. He did what he could. They were down. Whenever Cam Newton's team is losing, it's always – there's always a ton of trash talk, and I thought he handled it well. You know, didn't let him bother him. Kids were in his face. People were yelling from the sidelines, and he kind of maintained throughout and put everything in perspective on what seven on seven is. All right. So summarized, Justin Fields visits. Uh, it goes well for Florida State. I think you guys are both correct me if I'm wrong. Kind of agree that FSU's put itself in a pretty good position for Fields here. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. 
All right, one other one other thing on quarterbacks, real quick. Yeah, Reuter was there. Uh, was it Levis? It's spelled like Levi Levis. I don't know. Will Levis, the big kid from Connecticut, he could sling the ball. He was big, six foot four kid, but uh, you, you know some mechanical issues, but but really strong arm. Do you think with Florida State offering him, um, uh, Chris and I were kind of talking about this the other day. Do you think that Florida State, if they don't get Fields, do you think they take two quarterbacks instead of just one if they don't get the guy who's uh, a clear cut? You know, above everyone else that's kind of in, in their reach right now, or do you think they kind of stick with one if, even if they don't get fields? Go ahead, Chris. Well, we we were talking about the other day. I think that it's a possibility they take two, but I think that's more a matter of uh, kind of admitting that you're not taking a guy who you believe is that elite difference maker like they view fields as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody else that we saw throw a quarterback that's in that class – is a guy that you look at and go, you know, he can lead you to the promised land. He's not bad. He can be good, but he's not the single reason you have a great opportunity offensively to be a great, great team down the road. I feel that way about Justin Fields. I don't feel that way about anybody else I watch throw. I, I think that's fair. So let's let's talk about the FSU camp a little bit more in depth, uh, not just the quarterbacks, uh, but, but I don't know, guys. Explain to, the, I guess, the people what the camp was like uh, for those who don't know and aren't able to go there exactly you know what fsu does with the different you know players around how many there are what's just i guess the whole format of the camp and, and i guess your general takeaways josh you want to take us off and kind of uh paint paint the picture so to speak of the camp itself yeah yeah uh you know it's three days it's it's an afternoon session on wednesday morning session on thursday afternoon friday and then it ends with just a single morning session on friday it's a very regimented um coached up camp it's not a showcase it's not something where guys can just show up and kind of jump into one-on-ones and hang out and you know if you're on the field you're on the field and you're getting you're getting work um they had about what would you say chris 200 to 250 kids per day now some of those campers would would uh be there multiple days but for the most part you had a, a group of probably 150 new kids each day do you think what do you think how many kids do you think we saw total chris I'd say it was probably north of 600 to 700 total kids. Um, you had, you know, probably about 200 to 250 that were three-day types that, you know, mm-hmm. paid bills. And then you had a lot of walk-ups. Day one, they had a boatload of walk-ups. I think it was far north of 100 walk-ups. Thursday, there was a nice mix of it. Friday, there were some new faces. So it, it was pretty populated. I mean, they always do a good job of kind of getting town on the field. And FSU is attractive to kids who simply want to come to camp for like the experience of working out with college coaches, not so much for the prospect view of it, but more for just uh, getting some football in during the summer months. There, there are some offers that went out. Uh, there was a commitment, I guess a commitment and a half. We'll get into that in, in a little bit. But I guess who, who stood out to you guys during during the week or even just, you know, like Josh said, just sometimes one day, I guess, who were some of the guys that stood out to both of you? Um, for me, Fields, that quarterback, was sort of the guy. I didn't really have anybody at running back who blew my socks off. At receiver, DeMarcus Adams dominated when he was out there. He got offered off of camp and committed. We'll talk about that more later. But he was really good at wide receiver. At tight end, there wasn't really anybody I'd write home about. O-line, I'll talk more about when we get on the big man camp portion. Same with D-line. But Ishmael Sobsher was a defensive tackle that worked out before the big man camp. He worked out, I believe it was on Thursday, if I remember correctly. He was very good. He's 2019 D-tackle. I didn't think he was at his best. I've seen him better. His film is better than I thought he was in person that day. Yeah, he was. He had to go to the tent uh, once or twice to get rehydrated. He was He was hurting a little bit, yeah. and he was there in the peak part of the day. Yeah, 
he seemed to have just kind of dead legs for a guy that's really athletic for his size. Yeah. He just didn't have a great day with the explosion, but he was good. He competed. He didn't, you know, ball up and cry over it. He put in a very good effort. I thought he was very good nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, linebacker was actually a really good group. A guy like Kobe McLean, I'm a big fan of in Valdosta. I don't, I'm not convinced FSU offers because they got a guy like Amari Gaynor who's a similar skill set. But they had some good talent at that position. There were a couple other youngins that came in there. I think the biggest surprise for me was probably at DB with Israel. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's like Mukamu or something like that is how you pronounce the last name. I'm just happy I'm not having to pronounce it. I was terrified of that. Yeah, he, 6'4-ish, 190. He's a Hamza Nazardine kind of mold guy. I don't think he's as physical as Hamza, but he's really athletic, really long, and can do a lot of things. He's kind of versatile DB that FSU loves. So mm-hmm. all in all, I thought it was pretty impressive. Truthfully, the camp is – you know, about getting some 2018 kids in either to visit or to work out, but it's a whole lot of 2019, 2021 kids. You want to get a lot of workouts in. They offered a 21 quarterback, uh, Aaron McLaughlin from Buford, Georgia, offered him off the camp. You know, he physically looks apart. He made fairly good throws. I didn't think he was great, but I think he, I didn't think he was bad. He's a 2021 kid, so plenty of time to keep evaluating him. Max Johnson, 2020 quarterback, son of Brad Johnson, came in. I thought he had a very good showing. Max is a kid who's been a regular around here. I thought it was best camp showing I've seen out of him. So, you know, those are just a couple examples of youngins that made their way through that, you know, put on a good impression who either had offers or got offers off of the camp. Josh, anyone you want to either, you know, add add to that list or expand uh, on or anything? I, yeah, I wasn't paying attention to what Chris said. I was doing <laughs> stuff on Ward Thompson. Um, <laughs> trying to drive to me, his narrative. I really liked Israel Mukuamu. I thought Ooh. you know the defensive back from Louisiana was probably the most intriguing player that I saw there. Just having not known who he was before camp, and then seeing him show up, and he just lived. He when I saw him off the hoof, I was like, "Holy shit, this kid could be really good." And then it, through the drills and one on ones, he proved that he's he's as good as he looks. Yeah. Uh, I thought Ishmael Sopsher. You know, spitting image of a of a young Marvin Marvin Wilson. Really love Justin Fields. Can't say enough about him, and we've already covered that. Uh, quarterback Will Levis. He surprised me. You know, coming into the camp, I thought Jace Reuter would kind of be the second guy. I would. I think Will Levis is a much better fit for Florida State than than Jace Reuter. I completely understand the offer. Big time arm, big time pro style quarterback, and then Antoine Green. I got to see wide receiver Antoine Green from Rockledge the week before at the Ohio State USF satellite camp, and he picked up uh, – he may have already had an offer from Ohio State. I don't know if he picked it up there or not, but uh, when he told me that he was going to be at Florida State next week, I, I knew he was going to get offered. Um, big body wide receiver. He's smooth. He's fast. I liked him a lot. Good good pass catcher. Um, so those are really five that stood out to me. I, I really, I think we all kind of agree that Israel, my God, Muka, Mukamu, Mukamu. Just call him Israel. Israel. <laughs> he uh, he was impressive. At one point, you know, Chris and I were kind of standing over looking at the linebackers, and we looked across the field and, and saw this, you know, giant defensive back turning and running uh, and just a uh, position drilled in, just catching the ball effortlessly, you know, just the way he ran at 6'5", and the way he flipped, flipped his hips, kind of looked at each other and said, who's that? And then we look over. And uh, Josh is close by um, getting video of him. <laughs> so obviously he caught all of our attention pretty quickly. You can tell even the coaching staff um, was really, really intrigued by him. You know, Charles Kelly was getting into it when uh, – was getting excited, you know, if, if, if he did something well. 
uh, he was getting excited. So you could tell that, that Florida State really liked him, and, and like Chris said, kind of fits the mold of the, the Hamza Nasir-Ladin kind of lengthy, versatile defensive back, uh, kind of kind of a not really a household name before, but uh, he's a guy I think that's well on the radar now. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd throw two more guys out there too. Diami Brown, he's a North Carolina commitment. He came down with his team from West Mecklenburg and Charlotte. He can play receiver. He can play DB. He's just a hell of an athlete. And they moved him to wide receiver in the middle of the day, I think, right? Yeah. I think that was the case. Yeah, he, did, he did both during the camp and yeah. truthfully showed out at both. He was very good at both positions as he worked throughout the day. And then uh, the other guy for me would be Devontae Lee, a wide receiver, 2019 kid from Louisiana. He's physically very, very impressive. He's a thick, well-built kid, but he's super athletic, excellent, strong hands. He he was not very easily guardable by anybody at the camp in the secondary. He, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of high praise already from people. It's well deserved. He's an excellent, excellent football player. Oh, so Chris, let's go to the big man camp, which was on what Saturday. You had the seven on seven in the big man camp, but there was weather issues, so I'm not sure exactly how much you got to see. But uh, looks like you got some good video of the big men. I guess what were your takeaways from from that camp, and just how did the entire entire day go for you there? Yeah, they have a seven-on-seven seven in a big-man camp. A lot of times the schools that come for seven-on-seven seven bring their big men, so that kind of populates that. Then they have some additional one-off type guys that come to just work out at the big-man camp. The seven-on-seven seven got rained out. They got about 30 minutes into play, and two major downpours happened, and it was done. So they really didn't get anything there. But uh, I believe it's Kevon Lee from Clearwater, Florida, 2020 kid, really impressive. And then McCullough has a 2020 linebacker who was really impressive. That's more so just on the hoof than in play because they didn't get to do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. That's about it from the seven on seven. There wasn't much else to write home about from that. The big man, it was pretty good. Um, I'd say Christian Armstrong was sort of the headliner or at least the most important guy for FSU that was there. He did well. He worked with Trickett. He really came to work with Trickett. He wanted to kind of get that experience, get that feel for it. He said it went really well. His mother was an onlooker to get a feel for it. I think they really enjoyed themselves. Wanye Morris, 2019 commitment for FSU at offensive tackle. He didn't do one-on-ones because he kind of rolled and buckled his knees, so he sat out and laid low. But in the portion he did prior to the one-on-ones, he's ultra-impressive. He's got a really long frame. He's going to fill out further, long-armed, very strong base. He's an impressive kid just on the hoof to kind of look at, to you know evaluate what he can be within two, three years of development. Um Adrian Medley is an offensive lineman who actually didn't come to the big man. He came to one of the days of camp. I thought he was really good. He's a 2019 kid. I think they've offered him, but he didn't want to admit it. Um, I think they're kind of trying to keep him under wraps, but he's a talented kid from Pensacola. Um, Also at the big man camp, I mean, a kid like Shannon Carswell caught my attention. He looks like your uncle that's going to beat the hell out of you if you come home with a D on your report card. (laughs) Did you have have an uncle like that? Uh, No, you know. (laughs) Not like that, no. None of my uncles were built like Shannon Carr's. <laughs> but he just, he looks like a mean son of a gun. He didn't play great. Uh, he wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He physically looks apart. Developmental-wise, you can tell that, you know, he goes to a school where I don't think there's a great deal of coaching going on. So he's got to learn, you know, a secondary move, using his hands better, stuff like that. Uh, during the week, True Thompson worked out. He didn't come for the big man. He just worked during the week. I thought True looked great. He's gotten a tad bit taller. He's just so physically strong. There was a moment where he was hitting the bags, working with Travis Johnson and Odell, and Odell kind of had that, like, proud papa look. Yeah, he did. Where he just like, you know, I was right about this kid in eighth grade, and he's living up to it. 
And I think about the only other big man I really would mention is Demarcus Mills. He's a 2019 O-lineman offensive tackle. He's from North Carolina, Morrisville. They offered him off of uh, Saturday. He wasn't great. He was sort of a lunger, real long-armed kid. He tended to kind of get himself off balance leaning forward. But when Triggett worked with him and he kind of bought into what Triggett was saying, you know, keep a stable base, don't let the guy get too far into your body, don't get too far from your body trying to get into the other guy. He did well. He's got the athletic feet, the long frame. He's kind of got all the boxes checked of what you want an O-lineman to look like. Now he just has to learn how to play the position. I think he's sort of a basketball kid who's transitioning to the game of football. All right. I didn't. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I could feel Josh, uh, I could feel his presence drifting away right now, and I'm worried about the ADHD, and he's trying to hurry out of here and get Thai food. So I, I want to no, get him on the I'm working. There's a lot of stuff going on right now with Warren Thompson. Um, <laughs> you want to jump just, into Warren Thompson? We're going to talk about him and IMG National, but let's start off with Warren Thompson. What's going on I there? Don't, the wider well, Yeah, I don't know. What are, what are we talking about? I was ta- I was talking about a big man, the big man. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'm and I'm making an awkward transition because I'm trying to get you back yeah, engaged. Yeah, yeah. Let's here. talk about IMG. Yeah, um, that's also it was on Saturday. So you left from Florida State's camp to mm-hmm. go back down uh, your neck of the woods down in Bradenton to uh, to go cover that. So Chris covering big man, and then Josh, you made your way down to IMG. Yeah. Um, hold on, I got somebody call. Let me take this call. You guys. Uh, can we pause the pod right now? I got to take this. Yes. All right. All right. So we literally had a brief, well, not so brief, maybe a 10, 15 minute hiatus there for Josh to uh, make a couple calls. Um, I want to wake Josh up, get him more engaged, but I think, uh, I think Warren Thompson did that for us. So yeah, I was engaged. I just had text. I was just dealing with some stuff and then uh, the phone calls came. I just made about three phone calls. It's crazy right now. So like I said uh, in the last recruiting scoop, the next 24 to 48 hours with Warren Thompson are going to be very crucial for Florida State. I think there's a good chance that you know he might commit to Oregon um, coming off that visit. Him and his mom made a visit on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to Oregon. Uh, his mom has not been on campus at Florida State yet, and I don't think this would end his recruitment by any means because it's incredibly hard for – for Oregon to keep some of these top kids committed as we've seen. Um, so they have every, they should be working very hard to get them committed because you want them to, if you're Oregon, you want them to do it right off the visit. The longer it waits, the more Florida state can get back in his recruitment. And it's always easier to, to sign a kid if he, if he commits to you at some point than not. So um, it'll just be interesting. It'll be real interesting. Is it fair to say there's some Trey McKitty 2.0 going on here? Yeah, I mean, hey, I remember the first kid that I covered from Florida that committed to Oregon. Do you remember quarterback Star Jackson? Yeah, that's blast from the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was one of my first experiences covering a top Florida kid that everybody wanted in the state. Because it's one thing for a kid to sign with Oregon that wasn't being recruited by the Big Three. But Star Jackson was being recruited by the Big Three. He committed to Oregon. Everybody freaked out. You know, hey, I, I was on the bandwagon. I didn't know any better. I was, it was 10, 12 years ago. And I, I thought, hey, Star Jackson's going to Oregon. That's a great pickup. Of course, he flips to Alabama in the end. And Oregon was kind of left with their, you know what, in their hand on signing day. Um, so it's just, it's, it's hard. It's a risk, but the reward's high. Willie Taggart's new. There's a lot of excitement around that program. So it's easy to see why. 
he's he's recruiting the way he is. But it's one thing to get him committed; it's another thing to get him signed. All right, so I'm I'm a little frazzled. I don't do well with with change or anything like that. Do we want to keep talking about Warren Thompson? Do we want to talk about how hard it is for Oregon kids or Oregon to keep Florida kids and maybe talk no, a little Isaiah Bolden? Thompson. All right, let's I talk think, about Warren. I think right now he's the best wide receiver in the state of Florida when you take into account what he can be. I like Mark Pope. I like Mark Pope a lot. He, he's an excellent receiver. Saw him at seven on seven. He did some great things out there. He dominated. But but what's Mark Pope's ceiling? You know, he's a six foot one receiver. He's 19 years old. So of course he, you know, he's physically dominating a lot of the competition. Then you look at Warren Thompson. He's six, three and a half. He's got great hands. He's elusive. He has speed. People want to compare him to like a Kelvin Benjamin, Auden Tate. And he's not that he's not the typical big body wide receiver. Um, he can do it all. So I, I, right now, I'm kind of I'm leaning toward Warren Thompson being being the best wide receiver in Florida. What? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I just yeah, I, I'm not a guy who's real quick to hit the panic button in recruiting, especially in June. Um, there's eight months to go, and I'm kind of of the opinion Warren Thompson's recruitment is going to happen again, even if he commits yeah. today or soon to Oregon. But like. Truthfully, there's a level of frustration with FSU wide receiver recruiting. Um, Joshua Moore is a guy they love. They invested a lot of time in. He commits to Nebraska. And truthfully, FSU was an afterthought at the end. Yeah. You know, it was Nebraska or Texas A&M. Warren Thompson's a guy who, truthfully, if FSU got him on campus when he was in town for the seven on, there's a good chance his ass would have committed then and there. If they could have got him up with his mom, he certainly would be committed. So at some point, you know, I know it's all about what you get in the end, so they may still get a guy. So I don't want to be like that guy that's like, oh, it's all going to hell. But at some point, when you need four or five of them, you know, you got Demarcus Adams off camp, which is a good take. But you got to get a guy like Warren Thompson. Warren Thompson's the kind of receiver FSU didn't really get last year unless Terry turns out to be as good as he can be. Thompson's more, to me, a sure thing. And, you, you know, it's just – Oregon shouldn't be beating you for a kid that's in your backyard compared to their backyard. It's just kind of frustrating. So a kid, I, a kid I, that you want to, nonetheless, I think is yeah, kind of the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a kid that FSU 100% wants. Jimbo Fisher wants him. Lawrence Doss, he wants him. This offense needs him. They want him in this offense. You know, at some point you got to start punching the tickets and getting the guys in the class. I know FSU doesn't like to fill up early and kind of put themselves in a position where they have to say no to guys they want in the end. Warren Thompson's not a guy that fits into that equation. You take his ass whenever he wants on the boat. Well, let's let's talk because I think it kind of is is in play as we're talking about Oregon and Florida State recruiting right now. Uh, Isaiah Bolden, guy who was committed to Florida State, uh, talented defensive back from uh, from Mid Florida kind of area, Central Florida. Uh, then flips to Oregon and then was at camp uh, this week. And I'm, I'm not the recruiting guru, but man, the way he was you know talking to other you know. FSU players recruit so he looked like a guy who was committed to Florida State he looked like a guy who who was really comfortable with the coaching staff and spent his time kind of BSing with him like he was already part of things I guess guys what were your thoughts of seeing him at Florida State Josh you talked to him Uh, where are things now for for Bolden and I guess what are your general impressions of, of where things are you want me to start this or do you want to start this Chris you can have at it. You talked to him on the exit interview. so Right, right. Yeah, so coming off the visit, you know, well, let's just rewind this. Coming into the visit, 
my whole theory on on the way we were going to treat Isaiah Bolden was going to be the way that the staff treated him. Uh, we saw a year ago Joey Gatewood committed to Auburn and showed up at camp, and the Florida State staff decided they weren't going to pursue Joey Gatewood for multiple reasons, but they just weren't going to pursue him. So Joey Gatewood came with his coach and another teammate from his team, and Gatewood wasn't participating, but he hung out for three days. He uh, he, And every morning, the FSU staff, somebody would come up to him, say hi, shake his hand, see how he's doing, and that would be it. He'd sit on the ground or with his coach and uh, watch camp, and he wouldn't get a whole lot of attention. So my thing heading into this is I'm not going to try to hype a situation that isn't there. So if the staff wasn't paying attention to Bolden, I wasn't going to report on it too much. They definitely paid attention to him. He rode around on, on Jimbo's golf cart. He had coaches coming up to him. I remember watching Odell being there and grabbing Levante Taylor and having Taylor walk around the field with him and just talk to him one-on-one. Uh, everything that transpired showed me that they were recruiting Bolden. So coming off the visit, um, Bolden had a great time. He was hanging with Amari Gaynor. He was hanging with all the players. Like I said, he was getting recruited by everybody. And he told me that Oregon, that Florida State was his leader, although he was still committed to Oregon. And he said that this really isn't anything new. Uh, he maintained that he was going to have a top two and he was going to take visits to those two schools. So this wasn't something that should be shocking. Um, I saw, I, I saw him at IMG the next day and him and I just kind of laughed about the whole situation about how much attention it got and all and everything coming out of it. And we kind of laughed it off. And then I was around team Tampa and some of the guys had brought it up. Some of the kids on the team had brought it up and I'm, I said something about it and they go, Oh yeah. Uh, Baldwin said his words got twisted and I have the audio right here on my phone. I played it, you know, I played it for the kids. It was funny. Um, I'm not, it's not something I'm going to go toe to toe with Bolden on, but you know, and I, and I completely understand he was probably coming off the visit. He had a great trip. It's understandable for a kid that's 17 years old to be excited about Florida state. And then when he calms down, be like, damn, maybe I said a little bit too much about, you know, and it was disrespectful to the team that I'm committed to. So I get it, but here's the thing. Ultimately, I probably jumped the gun on my, on my crystal ball flip pick for Florida state because I don't know if Florida State's going to have room for Bolden when this thing's all said and done. <laughs> There's three spots remaining on the DB board, and Florida State's in really good contention with about 10 different DBs that I could name right now, Bolden being one of them. I just don't know if Bolden would be in those three spots that are remaining. So who knows? It's just, it's just one of the storylines coming out of camp. My take on Bolden is mm-hmm. I think he's a safety personally. Like, right. He, 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 he looks like a safety. He's built much more like that when I saw him in person. Right. Yeah. He can get away with playing corner. It's not like he's incapable of it. I'm not knocking the kid's ability at that position. But I think his money position is safety. Um, and truthfully, with FSU, you know, we got the new one, Israel. We're not going to try to pronounce his last name. And then you have Nadab Joseph. Mukamu. Similar cloth who can play that position. So it's not like Isaiah Bolden holds all the cards. He's not the guy that FSU has to have. I think they like him. I think they would take him. I don't think they're going to wait forever on him. You know, if he wants to play games and turn this into, you know, Twitter and get me followers and what some kids do with the process, I don't think FSU's going to really sweat it. You know, they got options. But they like him. And like Josh said, Odell immediately went to him when he got there, spent some time with him. A lot of coaches, a lot of people, players – People tied into the program, you know, Trey Fishers of the world, guys like that. 
they spoke with him a great deal. There is definitely legit interest, and he's definitely still welcomed into the family. But I didn't come out of visit thinking that, like, FSU was begging for him to come back. I think they would appreciate it if he came back and welcome him back. But it's not a necessity. You know, some guys, Patrick Sertain, he's a necessity. He's a kid that literally could do whatever the hell he wants, and FSU's going to recruit him to the end because his, his talent, his value, is absurdly good. Isaiah Bolden's a talented kid, but, you know, you can't overplay the hand. Some kids don't get that concept. And I'm not sure whether or not he does. I think he enjoys the attention and kind of the sort of craziness to it a bit more than, you know, he probably should. But he's far from the only kid to ever do that. I'm not trying to throw a lot of fault on him. I'm just saying you have to understand your value in the recruiting process. And Isaiah Bolden's a kid that, you know, I think that will run out at some point for him. All right, so we got Bolden. I'm just going down the list here. We got so much stuff to talk about. Uh, Chris, you touched on Josh Moore. Uh, We don't have to go too much in depth there, but basically a guy at Florida State really kind of at the very end of it wasn't really in contention. Josh had been talking about him, you know, coming to campus and needing to see see the school to have a chance, and that never really uh, materialized. Let's real quick before we go and take a couple questions. Uh, talk about the mainland kids that were uh, that were at Florida State this weekend, and and yet one Demarcus Adams, who we talked about, the wide receiver who uh, has a great camp and gets an offer and commits to Florida State, and then John Huggins, who uh, uh, a little bit of uh, confusion there as to his commitment. Uh, let's start off with Adams. Uh, you guys both liked what you saw with him, right? I guess Chris, what did you see from from Adams, and and obviously the staff liked him too. Uh, real good top end speed, consistently caught it, pretty smooth in his routes, doesn't really lose speed when he cuts. Uh, watching his film, talking to some people that are familiar with him, it sounds like he needs to become a more advanced route runner in general, but he does a good job. Kind of reminded me of Nooney. You know, he's a guy that has that kind of talent and skill set. And like we talked about earlier, FSU needs four or five receivers. If you really love a kid and he puts a show on in camp and earns that offer, then you take him. So I got no bones with it. He seems like he's kind of that vertical that vertical threat that they, they really don't have uh, currently other than George Campbell if he you know, ever stays on the field. They don't have that that stretch, you know, nine-route kind of guy. So it seems like he's got that speed. What did he run in, the four threes? Yeah, he told me I think it was four three seven. <laughs> yeah, so ability to take a top off a of defense. Uh, Josh, did you get to watch uh, Adam as much? And I guess what no, we were I talking? didn't. Okay. Chris is probably the expert on that. I, what day was he there, Chris? That was the first day, uh, right? Yeah, it was Wednesday after. Right, so I didn't, I was on field's duty. I was filming the uh, quarterbacks the entire time. And the thing about filming is you look at it through the lens and you're just seeing – it's a really bad way to watch a camp when you film. So Definition of tunnel vision. Yeah, Josh literally described what filming is to us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for – no well, one's ever used know, a phone like before. You're watching fields, but you don't see – the receiver's route, you don't see who's guarding him. You have no context, really, to what you're watching. Yeah. Um, Even the subject so. that you're watching isn't like, yeah, you because know, I was trying to field the quarterback or film the quarterbacks, and it wasn't, you don't get a great feel for what they're doing. Yeah, so I love putting the, together those videos, but you really have a hard time of, of getting a grip on what's going on. So I didn't get to see him. Um, he got offered. You got to trust their evals in situations like this. And, uh, I think Chris described it perfectly. Nicely Next. done, Chris. Would you like to then, Chris, also, since you described that perfectly, you kind of handled the the cluster that was uh, the John Higgins uh, news, the safety from, from mainland. I guess what happened? What happened there? Did he commit? Uh, did he not commit? Uh, it, confusing. 
All right, well, what went down with Huggins is he camped, he did well, he tested, he performed well in that. He came back to Demore after that and met with the coaching staff. Um, he spoke with Jimbo, I believe he spoke with Trickett, who's his area recruiter. He spoke someone with the defensive back coaching staff, which is Charles Kelly, Jeremiah, guys like that. All of that went really well. He walks out to the Bowden statue. He runs into myself, Chris Hayes from the Sentinel, Wayne McGahee from the Democrat. He tells all three of us that he committed. He also had text Josh at that point, told him he committed. Well, you know, long story short, after a few minutes of talking to him, getting quotes, getting video, having him discuss the commitment, come to realize he hadn't actually told Jimbo he had committed. So he's with his mother. Him and his mom go back into the moor, go upstairs. Jimbo's not there. He's already gone back out to the field for no ball. No ball is what they do with three-day campers at night. It's kind of a weird bastardized version of football. It's pretty fun, but I'm not going to sit here and try to describe it. Huggins goes out there, discusses with Jimbo, I want to commit, yada, yada. Jimbo clarifies with him, we love you. We're certainly interested. We want you in a class. You have to get your academics in order. I don't know how bad his situation is. I spoke to him a little bit about it, but, you know, I don't get into the nitty-gritty about kids' academic status a year out from when he has to enroll in the school. Basically, it sounds like he has some work to do, some class forgiveness, things like that. I think going to mainland, they do a good job of getting guys qualified. If the guys are willing to put in work, he should be fine. He just has to show that progress to end up in the class. It's kind of one of those situations we talked about where FSU doesn't want to take a spot and lock it up with somebody with the potential of somebody else taking the spot. You know, Huggins is a kid. I think they would certainly take in their class, but they don't want to lock up that spot until they know he can make it in their class. If he shows academic progress over the next couple of months, I think he has a great shot of ending up the Seminole. But it was just basically a kid got ahead of himself without, you know, having a conversation with the person who you have to have the conversation with to commit. We didn't realize that part of the situation happened until after the fact. To Huggins' credit, he came over, hunted me down. I was in the more working before I went back to the field. He explained to me, I'd spoke to Jimbo. They had the conversation about academics that it was kind of on hold and they would go from there. So he was very upfront. No feelings were hurt. Um, you know, I think him, Jimbo, his mother, all parties involved had a clear understanding of one another at the end of the day. But, you know, he's a kid who certainly wants to be a Seminole. It's sort of what he grew up wanting to be. And, you know, I think he was really Jack coming off the visit to think he was going to be part of the class. Now it's just a matter of him holding up his end of the bargain to end up part of the class. Yeah, I agree with what Chris said. I think um, it was handled masterfully because – how that goes on and, you know, there aren't hurt feelings uh, is beyond me, but somehow it was handled well. And, you know, Huggins, we're, we're DMing. He, he texts me or he DM me and said, I committed with a bunch of exclamation marks. And I had left campus because <laughs> I was hungry and Chris was still there. And he's the one that got the interview and everything. And then he's like, Huggins DMs me and he goes, but don't report that yet. <laughs> And I'm like, did you talk to Chris Nee? And he goes, yeah. And I was just like, all right, well, you know, then I don't need to deal with it because I'm sure Chris knows what's going on. So then it was all handled and I just DM'd him. I said, hey, man, we got it all straightened out. You know, no issue. I go, what's up next for you? Do you think you're going to come back to FSU? And he hit me back and he goes, I'll be at camp in July. So obviously it, he, his feelings weren't hurt and he still plans to show up at camp next next camp in July, but I'm not sure if he's going to be in the class because like I said, again, there's only three spots remaining. And I think Florida state's in good, good,
good spot with about 10 of these guys. And I don't know if Huggins would be in that top two or three. So we'll just see what happens. The thing with Huggins is that he would play, in my opinion, the money role for FSU. I think he fits it very well. He's a 6'2", 200-pound physical kid, athletic. So I think he kind of has an individualized role that he can kind of pick out. You know, when it comes down to nutcracking time with the numbers, for him it boils down to, you know, if they have five or six receivers in the class and five O-linemen, then there's probably not a number there for an extra DB. But I think if they have the opportunity, he's one of those sort of in the end we'll take him kind of guys because we like him. He's a good football player. And if he holds up his end of the bargain, then, you know, you take a guy. If a guy really wants to be a seminal and he's talented enough to be a seminal and he does what you ask of him to be a seminal and he's put in the work, by coming to camp and such to be a seminal, it's tough to say no to those types. And Jimbo traditionally has been welcoming to those type of guys. But, yeah, Josh is right. It, it, it's all a numbers game, and you're always trying to move the pieces and figure it out. So I think his window is to a certain degree, maybe like halfway into a senior season of playing football. I don't think he's a guy that we can be in limbo come January or February and still be considering him part of the class unless they're coming up short and need fill numbers. But they usually don't have that predicament. Yeah, I'm. I'm always a proponent. Like, if a guy's on the fence, yeah. talent wise, like you, you know, if he wants to be at Florida State and he's wanted to be at Florida State, that's been a priority. Like, then you reward him for that, and I think that's good for morale and good for long term kind of stability with the program to have guys that that truly want to be Seminoles. Um, good for he's any also program. At a, he's also at a program mainland that FSU is very pro towards. And, yeah, you know, they've got a couple guys from, and there's good relationships there. Though. That plays a role, too. It's not like it's some one-off, you know, type of thing. Mainland used to be kind of Gator territory, didn't it, like 10 years ago or so? I guess that changes with, with the the way the, the program has been. When I was growing up, that was always kind of UF, UF land. Yeah, it still is, I think, to some degree. I mean, plenty of kids there visit UF. UF's in the mix for plenty of kids there. FSU's just kind of had a run here, especially with DBs, with Cyrus and A.J. Westbrook and you know, they have a good relationship with Westbrook's father, who's an assistant on that staff. So I think, uh, you know, that plays a role. It's it's real easy to recruit the second kid from the school when you got the first kid. So mm-hmm. that's kind of one of those things where it's playing into it. All right. So let's see. I think the only thing left, guys, is questions. Do we still want to take questions? It's been obviously. Yeah, we can rapid fire some of these. Skip the ones that we've covered. Yeah, we've already kind of gone over some of these. So let's see. Right. Uh, so, so this is from uh, – CRW04D. I don't know. Wants to know about Warren Thompson, but also asks about Houston Griffith, who we haven't talked much about. So, what are your thoughts on on Griffith and kind of where Florida State stands? Uh, I I put in a crystal ball pick for Florida State over the weekend. On Saturday, he made a big play and threw up the chop and um, just all the buzz, especially around people that know him and and he's from Illinois. So so there are some people there at IMG from that area. And the prevailing thought was that Florida state was probably the team to beat right now. Yeah. But the only thing I would add on that is I think FSU values him as a safety. Right. And I think he's game for playing safety. So the fact that there's mutual understanding of that plays a big role in him being part of potentially the class. All right. I'm going down the list here and I'm trying to sift through stuff that we haven't really directly addressed yet. Um, guys talk briefly about, Patrick Sertain, this is from Maller16, asking, is there anything new or any updates, uh, possible visits to look forward to? I guess where does Florida State stand with, with the cornerback right now? 
the last thing he said was he plans to take a lot of visits in July. Now, BM and Ohio State kind of went down there to see him with the satellite camps. So they kind of got in there this month while FSU didn't have that opportunity. But I think he takes a few visits in July. You know, I still think it's FSU, LSU at the top. I think the next tier who's very close by is BM, Ohio State. Oh, and Clemson shouldn't be dismissed in that recruitment either. They're in the mix somewhat too. All right. Uh, I was asking with uh, Thompson. Uh, this is for more chant knows. With Thompson, I'm assuming Warren Thompson leaning towards Oregon. Who will be the next commit? Do you guys have any predictions for who you think pop next for Florida State? I have no idea. <laughs> only, I only say that just because, like, we've been so busy, and I just don't know. I can't think off the top of my head, like, who's committing when. And, you know, Florida State's in on a lot of top guys, and top guys just don't jump on Twitter and randomly commit. They usually have a whole process of narrowing down their list. They have um, an announcement set. So maybe at the opening, I'm, I'm sure some we don't even know who's committing right now at the opening. So I don't know, Chris, am I missing something here? No, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of guys that I consider leans. Christian Armstrong's a guy who I consider a lean at this point, but he's not in a rush. He's made that abundantly clear. Um, Trey Hill, I wouldn't consider a lean, but again, he's in no kind of rush. Running back, there's nothing to play. Justin Fields, we're not 100% sure on the timeline. Could be late summer. Could be after some officials. Um, I don't think they do anything at quarterback till they know what the hell is going on with Fields. I feel like he's the linchpin for the whole thing. Wide receiver, Warren Thompson might commit, but I don't think it's Jeff as you. Um, not yeah, until Mom comes on campus, that's for sure. Right, right. If they got Mom on campus before they hit this dead period in a couple of days, and yeah, who knows, maybe it gets interesting, but right. I don't envision that happening. Um, offensive line, I don't feel like there's any great movement there as far as 2018 guys go. Defensive line, same thing. You know, I don't feel like we came out of camp like putting a guy on commit watch. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like 2019 Adrian Medley, he's a kid that, you know, if they go full bore at, there's a really good conversation. It wouldn't shock me. He's sort of a kid that likes FSU a lot. I know Auburn's trying to get in the mix there. I think he's going to really blow up once some more schools get him on campus in July. Um, Defensively, though, I mean, I don't, I can't point at anybody and say it. Now, there's guys, if they offered Jacoby McLean, I think he pops, but I don't think they're right. off. So, yeah, uh, Tanser, nah, there's not a guy that I can definitively say I think right now is on the verge of popping. I, there's a lot of guys that are, you know, going to play this thing out and take officials and yeah. aren't really rush. And there will be kids that were at camp that end up signing with Florida State. Yeah, always. So, people always want to judge a camp based on immediate results, but I don't know how many times I can say this. Recruiting's not linear. You don't, it's not like a football game. It only matters how you finish. And because of the commitment dates and all that kind of stuff of top guys, it's really hard to judge a class until we get to the end. Um, I think think 70% of kids that signed with FSU last year out of high school camped. Right. And like Camp Nazarene is a great example. He didn't really, that didn't happen till the end, but his camp visit in the summer was huge in the whole swinging of FSU getting him in the end. Mm-hmm. So the next time we could see a wave of commitments or a commitment would probably be the opening, which is only about a week and a half away. Yeah. Does anyone and come a, out of a, a Lamborghini lot. with a flag this year? You think uh, any any big, uh, big theatrics for Florida State? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Reports out of the game, so <laughs> yeah. 
All right, all right. Going down the list here, Olu84. I don't know if I'm pronounced. I feel like it's unfair that I'm the one who has to read the questions because I can't pronounce anything right anyway, so I have to pronounce it. You better his. get it right or people are going to be offended. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Get it right. Is James Cook this year's DJ Matthews? Is it realistic for him to go to UGA if White commits there? I don't yes. know. Yes. Here's the thing with James. Like, you just, I'm just here for it. Like, whatever happens, happens. He is a cook. He has cook in the blood. Nothing would surprise me with these guys. The last thing I'm going to do is say that Cook's a lock to sign with Florida State because what those boys do is completely up to them. And I think you, with guys, with, with a kid like James Cook, you just got to have your head on a swivel and be ready for anything. Yeah. And right, right now, Georgia's a team that's kind of got his ear. He's paying attention to. If they get Zamir White, it's not like their depth chart sucks. It's not like he's going to a place that has a depth chart that is pathetic compared to FSU's loaded depth chart. You know, it's, I, I don't put a whole lot into that. I think James kind of enjoys the process. I'd agree with the DJ Matthews comparison to some degree. Very much so. He's going to keep you on your toes. He's going to make you pay attention. He may even show up wearing some of their gear on an official visit elsewhere. But at the end of the day, if I had to bet money, I still think it would probably be FSU. Not that it's a stone-cold walk. Right. Just, that's the most likely possibility. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I, I think he's going to come to Florida State, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should ignore everything or you know not, not take into account the fact that George is a real player. Um, they might flip him. They might not. I, I, I tend to believe he's going to end up signing with Florida State, but nothing would surprise me with James. All right. This is the last question, or at least the last question that hasn't gone over ground that we've already kind of touched on. Um, and you guys may not even want to answer this one. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Knowles 24-7 ID says, if you were on trial with a penalty of death and, and you elected to have a trial by combat, what recruit would you have fight in your place? <laughs> you, you, no no thoughts? Josh is thinking. Yeah, go ahead. What? Uh, Josh is thinking. I, just, I can look at him right now and see the wheels turning in that <laughs> little skull of his. I would go with that. Who was that big kid, Jared Davis, that w- walked up to camp that was like 6'7"? Oh, oh yeah. the kid from North Carolina? Yeah, the kid, the kid from North Carolina. J- Jimbo was so excited to see him. He must have like slapped his slapped his rear like five times. Jimbo was Let happy to have him. He's wearing like a, a plain red T-shirt with like khaki shorts that went to his knees in Timberlands. Timberlands, yep. Out on the Florida State practice field. And it was just <laughs> – seeing the coaches talk to him like looking up at him because he's he's like a legit what six 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 seven yeah he's a monstrous kid yeah i'd give him a sword and a shield and let him wage war for me i think for me i'd go with true thompson he'd just get under somebody and throw their ass out of the ring and win. true's a strong little dude i mean he he is he's king of leverage and he just gets under those pads and he can throw them around he's a He's a kid that's going to be fun to watch. If he gets a little growth spurt, he's going to be a complete monster because yeah. he's going to have that size and that strength. He already has that strength without a shadow of a doubt. So that would be my uh, cheap answer. I can't really think of another guy. I love me some Chauncey Gardner, but he would just argue people out of the court and <laughs> fight. But that's he's, part he's of a, that, he's a Gator, so he's not a recruit anymore. Being being cunning's part of it too. Is you got to be clever, and I guess it kind of depends on the the arena too. Like yeah, like Josh said, do you put up a, a is, is there a sword and a shield in this uh, fight to the death, or is there a uh, uh, is it just like a wrestling ring kind of? So I don't know. How about Zoe uh, Zacoby McLean? Like not the biggest guy, but like uh, don't don't bet against like a kid from Valdosta that that's scrappy and and likes contact and 
quick. I would I would go with I would bet on Valdosta all the time. Actually, here's one that I think we all three of us could agree with: Charles Strong. Oh, I would I, Charles 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 Strong. I think I'm pound for pound. Yeah, there has never been a kid with a better last name to describe what he is. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against Charles Strong. So I think that's a great place to stop this uh, podcast. It was adventurous. It probably took us what an hour and a half, two hours to record. Really, a lot of fun. It's all my fault. It I'm is. sorry. I have no idea what is actually on this podcast because it it's been so scattered for me. But welcome to my life. So I I, I have a theory that Josh really didn't take a call. He went to go get Thai food in the middle of the podcast. No, I'm still hungry. <laughs> And I'm about to go eat, so you guys enjoy the rest of your day. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, Chris Snee, thank you. Josh Newberg, thank you for the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm, uh, let's see, we're going to go with Bradley Sinone since that's the new thing is, is just calling me by the wrong name. So Bradley Sinone with the Knowles 24-7 podcast. Thanks for joining, guys. See ya. Bye.